Welcome to Grid Talk, my name is Ruby Price and today we're here to review the first modern Las Vegas Grand Prix. Joining me today we have Jared Yacoub from Hit the Apex. He says hello, he's just on mute. Sorry, hi everyone. <laughs> Aaron Harper from AHGP. Morning. And F1 expert Alex Booth. Hello. Before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for your baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts, and also be sure to follow us on our social channels at Gridtalk UK to stay up to date with the show. So after a shaky start to the Grand Prix weekend, let's not beat around the bush here. I think we can all agree, though, that today's race in Las Vegas was an enjoyable one, an enjoyable debut at least, with lots of on-track battles, drama all the way to the finish line. Max Verstappen did obviously end up taking an 18th win of the season and for the second race in a row, Perez losing a position on the final lap of the race. I'll come to you all individually though for your thoughts on the Las Vegas Grand Prix weekend, whether that's the on-track action or everything else surrounding it. Let's start with you, Jawad. Yeah, I agree about the race itself today, redeeming all the other nonsense that happened over the weekend, certainly with the Thursday practice or Friday, as it was in every other time zone, it was hard not to sharpen the pitchforks and get into F1 and, and Vegas, the whole kind of entertainment side of things, taking over the, the racing aspects. We heard Max Verstappen and his comments as well on it. Also, Toto Wolf kind of coming out and defending the Grand Prix and the work that has gone into it. It certainly was a black eye moment then but watching the race and wanting to judge the event on the race because ultimately Grand Prix racing is what we're here for it was a pretty good event all up happy that we had battles everywhere throughout it yes the outcome was very familiar as it's been in 2023 but we had some interesting battles at the front at the back in the middle and we've got Vegas on the calendar for the next 10 years now I'll be interested to see how it evolves in that time. We see support categories introduced in the future just so we get more rubber on the track because, of course, grip was an issue. Maybe we won't. So then we'll continue having low grip races, which will make all the cars dance around and do funny things on the opening lap, as we saw and we'll talk about. So overall, the race itself redeemed the blemishes and the black eyes of earlier in the weekend in my eyes, but... I have my thoughts on street circuits and I can reserve that for another time. And for what it is, I, let's just give it a tick for, for the race today. I have to agree. I think it was a win for F1 today because the racing made up for everything else that went on. Obviously, we can't look away from the knock-on effect of what happened in practice. And I think that the fans that were unceremoniously uh, chucked out of track on Thursday night slash Friday morning. So then they didn't see FP2. The $200 store voucher they've been given just isn't enough. I think F1 needs to do a little bit more in terms of making sure people are accommodated appropriately when 
things go wrong and they have to remember that the fans make the sport they're paying to go and they need to be given action but we got action on the track i thought the the low grip surface really played a part it made the cars tricky to drive and i think we've become accustomed to these cars looking like they're on rails they've got so much downforce and they're so fast it was actually good to see that the drivers having to 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 face these slightly sketchy corners difficult braking zones you had to nail every apex every braking zone so it was a real challenge and considering the speeds they were doing generally by and large they did a very good job obviously Lando Norris was the one big accident but that can happen early on in the race anyway because cold tires low grip you could just lose it with heavy fuel as well so it was an interesting race all the way through the strategies were were varied because of the safety cars I think like Joe had said it, it gets a big tick you got to accept that you go to Vegas, you're going to do the Vegas thing with all the hype and the show. And I think you just have to accept that. You're going to go to certain venues that require a bit more glitz and glamour. Monaco has always been somewhere all the celebrities want to go. It's one of the busiest grids, but it's also one of the narrowest. So it just looks like carnage. Vegas will be similar, full of celebrities, full of people. But ultimately, if the racing is good, that doesn't matter. If the racing wasn't good, then it's a problem. But I think it's a win for F1. Yeah, I agree with the two lads. I really have much more to that. I, I think I think a Grand Prix coming to Vegas was an incoming tide, really, since since it fell away in 1982. Um, because there was talk in the 90s of having a race on the Vegas Strip, and, and there's been rumours of it in the years leading up to this. So it finally happened. I was surprised when I found out about the practice and the situation, because I would have thought that they would have done the F1 authorities would have tried to ensure that something like that, although would have certainly taken more care uh, about it. I'm in Baku re- in recent years, but it, it, it takes back to uh, shades of 1982 in Detroit when the practice was um, suspended, when the track wasn't even finished. That was something I didn't think I'd see. And, and as I already mentioned, the $200 store voucher is a bit of a slap in the face. I think that's just an afterthought. <laughs> it, it really is ridiculous. But, but we were rewarded with a fine race. I enjoyed it. It looked like it had a familiar outcome, but that doesn't tell the whole story. There was action back all the way through. And it's a tantamount to the uh, skill of the drivers, I think, we've got these days. Only one of them found the barrier, given the, the track conditions. So, yeah, I, I think F1 won out today. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure the fans who were present for FP1 and the time between it will be able to enjoy their one T-shirt that they can afford with the two um, voucher. But that's just to comment on the price of merch these days. But Alex has already tested it to it. There was only one driver ultimately that found the barriers during the race today. Jared, we'll start off with McLaren then, who, you know, Lando Norris out on lap two, looked a bit like the car just dropped going through the corner, did the 180 and momentum obviously carried it through. But Piastri with a m- two mega stints on the hards and then a five lap stint on the mediums to finish P10 with the fastest lap. Tell me about McLaren's race today. And obviously it's good that Lando Norris has made it out of hospital, we are hearing. Yeah, just taken off to the hospital for precautionary checks and thankfully he's okay. It was a nasty shunt and we run- we were wondering coming into the race, given the low grip conditions, would we see more of this? And like Alex said, thankfully, we only had the one incident like that. And yeah, he just lost the rear end, didn't he? And into the wall and tore the car apart. So yeah, not a great 
weekend for Norris and could have been a worse weekend for McLaren overall because this is a track that didn't really suit their car. Their car likes a more high downforce setup and not long straights, which you have on this track. But Oscar to put in the drive that he did from further down the grid, making places at the start. And then unfortunately, the strategy in a way caught them out or the lack of a safety car towards the end. If they gambled on that, then that would have certainly helped them because he was as high as fourth or third at one point, but had only run the hard compound tire and he had to pit late in the game to switch to a different compound. And ultimately that put him on the medium and he had the pace to come back and steal 10th and also got an extra point for fast slap as well. While uh, their direct rivals in the Constructors' Championship, Aston Martin, had the better results and more points. Um, I think two points is uh, a decent salvage for them. And yeah, also not really um, getting further damage from that run-in with Lewis Hamilton as well, as we saw, and there was no further action on that incident too. I think neither driver (laughs) could proportion blame or figure out what had happened. But yeah, it it also, on the TV, on the feed as well, it just, you blinked and you missed it. it. It didn't really get replayed a whole lot. And I feel like the... Just, yeah, the, the coverage in general this weekend or in the race, certainly, there was just a lot going on. It was hard to to keep up with it as well. But yeah, overall, great result for Piastri, even though it is 10th, but it could have been a lot worse for Claren. A weekend of damage limitation. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure they'll be coming back next weekend to try and just firm up that fight in the top four, say, positions in the constructors. But it was rather static for the bottom three constructor teams, Aaron, in terms of points accrued. No change going on there, but certainly not very Viva Haas Vegas for the Haas team. Hulk retiring with a technical issue on lap 45. Magnussen dropping out of the points to finish P13. With the low track temperatures, were you, were you expecting something special from Haas this weekend? Or did you think this is what we would have expected? This is the general model that Haas have adopted this season. Qualify really well and then just fall away in the races and maybe retire with a a technical fault in one of the cars or some accident damage. Yeah, and there's not really a lot to say about Haas anymore because we know how it's going to pan out. I've just gone through it there. Hulkenberg never really looked likely to to move forward. Magnussen spent most of the race getting overtaken by faster cars that were out of position through various qualifying errors or dramas at the start. 13th is probably about where that car should have placed anyway. It wasn't as fast as the Williams and it was better than the Alphas, both Alphas, the Alpha Tauris and the Alpha Romeos. Yeah, not really a lot for them to write home about on their third race of the year. Let, let's have an American team that will actually give the American crowd something to get behind but that that's a whole different podcast I, I won't delve into that today but yeah Haas they, they're just there aren't they 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 don't do anything do something Haas you just kept poking it with a stick move basically yeah do something with my finger <laughs> do something now yeah there has to be a change I believe for probably not the next season they're just going to wait I I reckon most teams are waiting out the regulation changes but Alex looking at Alpha Tauri then they didn't really seem to be able to leave an impression in terms of being on the feeds at all 
But Sonoda out on lap 46 at the same position of the track as Nico Hulkenberg. He was reporting a gearbox issue. Ricardo, I don't think, ever occupied any pixels of the TV screen at the very least. But disappointing for Alpha Tauri, who have had some strong results in the last few races. Yeah, they have come on strong uh, in the last couple of races, but it was more or less turned to form, really, you could say, for this weekend. Sonoda was poor in qualifying and then didn't really look on song in the, in the race at all and then parked up rather neatly alongside Hulkenberg towards the end. And as you said, Ricardo was pretty anonymous. So, so, so Alpha Tauri have got, have, got, have got some points on the board recently, but it's too little too late, really, in what's been a, a frankly poor season for them. Yeah, definitely. I think even with the... You probably summed it up better. It was more of a return to form across the whole season that they've had as opposed to the form that they had in Mexico, pretty much. But the other Alpha team then, Jawed's Alpha Romeo, Valtteri Bottas, P17. He was involved in Alonso's choreography at Turn 1, which left base, him basically chasing the result the whole race. Guan Yu Zhou ahead in P15, the only thing I really remember from him was him being passed by, by Verstappen in the same place that Verstappen would like to hit a Mercedes or the Mercedes would hit the Red Bull, whichever way you want to look at it. We'll talk about that later, but anything... What did you think of their livery? Did they have a different livery? I honestly didn't see them throughout the coverage to even notice, except for when they did show the brief replay of the Turn 1 shenanigans, which Bottas was unfortunately a part of. Yeah, a very anonymous race for Alfa Romeo, and considering there was action going on and DRS trains and everything, none of them seemed like they were a part of it. So there's not much really to say. Joe did benefit from a cheap second pit stop when the second safety car came out. He was one of the drivers to come in and take another set of tyres then, but really they just had no sort of pace to to back it up so 15th and 17th in the end gee i wonder who their who the sponsor was on the car this weekend if they did have a special livery because they'll probably be asking for a, a refund because there was very little that we saw of them through the race you might have got it mixed up with a mercedes at some points as well considering that they were very similar color schemes Imagine having a brand identity in this day and age of Formula One. It's so inconvenient in terms of putting paint on the car. But a team with some identity, Aaron Williams. Logan Sargent finishing P16, Albon P12. A a good start to the race, but the safety car cost them and they couldn't really recover. Tell me about Williams. Should they have done better today? Because we were expecting it, I think. Yeah, I think we were all banking on them being very difficult to overtake but the the safety car timings like you said simply didn't help them and they didn't have the pace to live with the guys front so they just kept getting overtaken logan Sargent was saying on the radio at the end of the race that he just had to defend the entire race so he couldn't set any good laps he couldn't build a rhythm constantly fighting other people and that makes life difficult when you're struggling with the car but it, for Logan especially, this has been a good weekend, and Williams have shown that they have a car that can definitely score points today. Obviously, it didn't go their way, but they did the best with what they had, and that's what James Vowell told 
Logan Sargent on the radio said they they'd done the best job they could with what they had out there. Sometimes you're just not going to be able to get that rubber the green or things are going to go against you. So one of those days for Williams, but they've had an excellent season considering where they were this time last year. And they've been a bit up and down, but I think they're now back on a solid upward trajectory. And uh, yeah, Logan Sargent looks like he's, he's finding his feet. Alex Albon is a very capable driver. I think he got the most out of the car today, P12. So I wouldn't have expected him to finish ahead of an Alpine and McLaren or Aston, Aston Martin. So you know, I think they're where they should have been. Yeah, absolutely. But before we get to the top five teams, let's talk about the top five stars. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. And from that terrible seg back to the remaining constructors of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Alex, Alpine have had a pretty decent race for one of their drivers, the Gasly ultimately dropping out of the points towards the end and finishing P11, but Esteban Ocon finishing P4. We saw some great on-track action between the pair who have often come together in similar situations. But tell me about Alpine's race. Were you impressed? I was. I was impressed by uh, Esteban Ocon. Uh, thankfully, the battle between on track between the two on track didn't end like it did in Melbourne. It was it was clean. Um, they were unlucky not to get a double points finish. Gasly dropped um, out of the points towards the end. I think I think it was tyre wear or, or possibly. Um, but Ocon brought us brought home a strong result and uh, well done, well done to Alpine because that uh, they need it. Yeah, they certainly do need it. Um, you know that. I think at this point they are very much in no man's land and aren't going to be passed by anyone in the constructors or pass anyone else. But we've seen in previous seasons, when you've got nothing to race for the remaining remainder of the season, that momentum to start the next season can be so important. And that's something that Alpine, Renault, Lotus, they've just never really had as a team, at least for the... Um, at the very least, but yeah, just, gone. They just seem stuck in a rut, uh, Alpine, because they're never good enough to challenge the top teams, but they're always much better than the bottom three, and they never seem to go anywhere beyond that, which is frustrating. I, th- I thought maybe with Gasly and Ocon, an all French partnership, young drivers that would bring new energy into the team, but it hasn't done, and they've had all the background drama with Otmar Schaff now leaving the team, and, uh, and it just seems to be a constant uh, stream of negativity. Uh, let, maybe next season might be different, but we'll see. Maybe we'll see. You know, they have brought in some investors who've had success with turning non-league outfits into league outfits. Maybe Alpine will go from National League to Champions League as the Vegas Grand Prix might eventually go up in Max Verstappen's estimations. But Jawad, looking ahead then at Aston Martin, Alonso P9, Stroll in P5. He was almost my vote for driver of the day. After dropping it, of his own volition due to just no grip in turn one. Alonso, a decent recovery drive, I would say, to finish P9. But what did you make of the Aston Martin? Should they really have been higher, potentially? Possibly. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. And I think a good result for Lance Stroll in particular. And yeah, very narrow. I ended up voting for Piastri for driver of the day. But yeah, Stroll could have been 
my pick also. He started second to last, of course, because he had the five-place grid penalty for overtaking under yellows during qualifying. And it's one of those races where you say, if you keep your head out of trouble and just get through it unscathed, you'll finish with a good result. And that's ultimately what happened for Stroll today. And, and well done to him. There was chaos at the first corner, as we saw. He was able to get past it. He benefited from both safety cars for pit stops as well, where then, yeah, didn't get involved in any of the other shenanigans going around him. Great result for him. And then, of course, benefiting too with the five-second penalty to George Russell at the end. Not that it's a big um, swing in the Constructors' Championship with them and McLaren. It's 11 points now, the gap, and I, I feel it should be sealed out by McLaren in Abu Dhabi. But I think it's just refreshing and positive to see Stroll have a good race because some people might think that we take pleasure in criticizing him and having a bash at him on the show, all the many people who do here, including myself, but it it is painful sometimes and we'd like to say something nice about him and today he did put in a great race to fifth and kept his head out of trouble and well done. And yeah, with Alonso ninth, that's the story you should have, could have, would have, that if he didn't get involved at the first corner that um, potentially there could have been a, a double top six finish on for them. But it was nice to see him involved in some battles with his former teammate Hamilton and, and the Alpines and Williams as well. So of Albon. But yeah, I think Aston Martin, after some of the races that they've had in recent times, we go back to last time we were in America with double DNF, I believe it was in, in Texas to, to getting double points. So good on them. Yeah, certainly a good American Grand Prix turnaround. Grand Prix plural, just for the distinction. But certainly, we needed more of this Lance Stroll throughout this season. And I think he'd be a lot closer to his teammate and under a lot less scrutiny if he had been able to perform like this throughout the season. But Aaron, let's look at the Mercedes then. Jared obviously just mentioned Russell getting that five-second penalty, relegating him to P8 behind Hamilton in P7. Both Mercedes being involved in on-track incidents with other drivers. What was your take on the Russell and Verstappen incident and the Hamilton and Piastri incident? And could Mercedes, should Mercedes have potentially been on the podium today? I don't think Mercedes had the pace to be on the podium. I think George is clutching at straws when he says a podium was thrown away. I think Perez would have come through and, and caught him and he, he was ahead of him anyways. I think a podium wasn't really ever on the cards. His incident with, with Verstappen, it's a five-second penalty. He's caused a collision. He just hasn't seen him. The mirrors on these cars are ridiculously bad. You're looking for a driver. You don't see him. You, you just assume he's not there. You've got to turn in at some point because you're competing and obviously they may in the middle. So yeah, just one of those things. And that's what happens in racing. Maybe a five second penalty was a bit harsh. The stewards do or the stewards do. So, sometimes they give them, sometimes they don't. And this is the whole vagary of the stewarding system. And it, it does befuddle sometimes, especially early in the morning. But we'll, we'll get on to stewards and their penalties later on, I'm sure. But for Lewis Hamilton, that was purely a racing incident tire contact with Oscar Piastri. Very unfortunate. Without those two incidents, Mercedes would have probably ended up fourth and fifth. I think Lewis would have been able to pit later when that second safety car came out. I think that's what they were hanging on for because Joe Guan Yu did something similar. But 
it's a case of what could have been like like Joe I was saying for for Alonso shoulda coulda woulda Mercedes have how they're seconded the constructors I have no idea because they've just not had the second fastest car at any point this year they've just executed well when others haven't and they, that still might not be enough because Ferrari could catch them in Abu Dhabi but I think everyone at Brackley will be glad to see the back of this car, even more glad than they were to see the back of the W13, which is saying something. Yeah, absolutely. And only four points now separating Ferrari and Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. I, it'll, We're going to see next weekend if anything does actually change on those that positioning. But Alex, speaking of Ferrari then, Leclerc P2, signed P6. The cool-down car, as they called it, had a very interesting camera shot of Leclerc almost like figuring things out and basically realising, oh, maybe Ferrari should have boxed me during that second safety car and maybe I might have won this race. Is that the case? What did you make of Ferrari today? Could Leclerc have won it with better strategy and a good recovery drive from Carlos Sainz. I think that's certainly plausible because Leclerc was in a good position before the sec- before the second safety car and I had it pitted. I won't say I won't say it was a, a lost third, Richard, because we can't always be too sure about Verstappen. If Leclerc had been leading, would Verstappen have passed him uh, within a, a couple of laps to go? That's possible. But I think Ferrari have lost a potential victory. I think it was there. It was there in, in uh, on, on offer. But Leclerc finished second, made a an unfortunate mistake, um, but he made up for it um, by by overtaking Perez on the last lap. I'm not sure how well that'll go down at Red Bull, uh, or whether they will notice, I'm not sure. But yeah, it was an impressive drive from Leclerc. Shame that he couldn't transfer pole position into a victory again. I think it's 12 in a row now. He's, he's gone pole position and not converted into a win. I know it's hard, uh, given the pace of Verstappen at Red Bull. But it gave us an interesting race. It was interesting at the start with Verstappen and, and Leclerc, I think. It was clear that it was a bit of a dive bomb and a, a five-second penalty was going to be the outcome. If he hadn't have got one, it might have been... Con- I think that would have been controversial, which we'll probably get on to on, on, the, on the next topic. But yeah, a good, a good performance. And uh, I, can, I can answer Aaron's question, actually, as to why Mercedes are second in the championships because of Ferrari's unreliability, you can say, as well. I mean, Leclerc lost, retired in Bahrain, but right there at the start of the year. We've had science non-starting, I think, in Qatar. And it's just little things like that, whereas Mercedes have been have had more reliability on their side. Uh, on pure pace, Ferrari deserves to be second in the championship. On pure pace alone, Ferrari arguably should have won many championships, but pure pace alone, as we've seen, doesn't do it. And last season, of course, it was their reliability that let them down amongst Red Bull sorting out their reliability issues. But you've obviously mentioned the Turn 1 incident. Before we get on to talking about Red Bull, I'm actually going to come to Jawad and Aaron just to get some more thoughts regarding, obviously, what happened at Turn 1 and the penalty situation regarding it. Because, of course, we saw Max Verstappen not quite ahead of Leclerc going into Turn 1. Both of them ended up off the circuit and Max has ultimately benefited from the whole incident. Jawad. In usual circumstances, we've just seen the stewards ask the teams to swap the drivers around. Is that what should have happened today? Or do you think the five-second penalty was the right decision, ultimately? Like, yeah, I would have 
had there's plenty of room on the track there's plenty of straights to swap the positions around did the stewards actually send them a message to swap them around or not that's what i'm unclear about because from the messages from gp uh, max's engineer and the lack of communication that was broadcast by max it was clear that he wasn't intending on swapping the positions anyway and then when the penalty did get handed down ultimately his reaction was that of oh I'll, it doesn't matter to me because i'm max Verstappen in a red bull i've got all the confidence in the world some might say arrogance but confidence in the world to nullify that so in in that respect when you look at it all it looks like even the five second penalty didn't really justify the crime in a sense you can look at the onboards he wasn't in control of his car he was scrambling with the steering wheel and ultimately yeah you know whether that kind of won or lost the the race for Leclerc as well is questionable but I would have thought that yeah you'd hand back the position when it was next available and potentially under the safety car too because we did have a safety car not too long after that for a separate incident it it doesn't matter in the end because even though he got the five-second penalty, then there was numerous opportunities for Leclerc to get ahead. Verstappen still won, so it's yeah, it's a tricky one. And as we know, we can't really give more severe penalties over the outcome of an incident, as we've talked about here. So I think yeah, just the whole debate of consistency around stewarding what Aaron was saying earlier as well, uh, what's clear cut and whatnot. It's it's still not quite clear, is it? Yeah, certainly not. Aaron, uh, feel free to respond to any of those points as well that Jowards made. But I guess my question is, is a five-second penalty for forcing another driver off the track and gaining their position warranted? Yes, it is. Is, is it severe enough? Like, it's it's severe saying. enough, though. We've seen this earlier in the season. Just go back to Texas, where George Russell overtook Oscar Piastri off the track. I think he was at the sprint and picked up a five-second penalty, just disappeared up the road. So they're they're working around it. This is it's high. This whole thing is highlighted. I don't know whether a lack of authority or power from the stewards. You've got to be more severe. You've got to get tough with these guys because they're just going to work their way around it. If they, I saw someone say on uh, Twitter or X or whatever Elon Musk wants to call it now that maybe they should go the IndyCar route that every penalty is a drive-through, and you will find the drivers then rein it in, they make sure they don't get involved in things. It'll clean up the racing. The move itself from Verstappen, I wasn't impressed by. I really wasn't. That's not the move of a world champion. He basically practiced it yesterday in qualifying on Esteban Ocon and then pulled it off with Leclerc into turn one. Yes, he got a better start, but it's such a short run to the first corner. Leclerc covered the line. It made it very difficult for Verstappen to get through. Verstappen just barged his way through. If you were in a shopping queue and you pushed someone to the floor because you wanted to get out the door first, you wouldn't get served. You would be asked to give back the, the space. I'm using a bit of a metaphor here, but there would be consequences for your actions. And I think they'd be fa fairly severe and there'd be condemnation from the people around you looking at you. You'd have to deal with the shame. But in this scenario, he's almost got away with it because you can work around it. What was interesting was the fact that he wasn't able to escape and he did have to come back through the field and he still won the race. He served the penalty and still won, which I think, fine. But I think also these penalties need to be tougher 
because the teams will just continue to work around them. It's like with the, the implementation of the cost cap rules, of uh, development things, with the, the power units. If they're not going to regulate these things robustly enough, the teams will just continue to take the mickey out of it and just gain advantage and work around it. All the teams are guilty of it. And it comes back as well to the, the Carlos Sainz engine penalty that he had to serve this weekend. Yes, it was completely unjust because it was not his fault, but life's unfair, unfortunately, and common sense isn't implemented into the Formula One rules, as Martin Brundle has said. You've just got to get on with it. And the thing is, if there's been criticism of maybe of, uh, Total Wolf maybe being against the uh, free power unit, if it was the other way around, Ferrari was saying, no, we don't want Mercedes to have a free power unit. You want that competitive advantage. The teams will just continue to work around these things, play the rules to their own advantage. The stewards just need to be tough with them. And unfortunately, I don't think that'll ever improve until they go professional. Yeah, it was obviously unfortunate for signs to have the damage that caused the need to replace a power unit element. But ultimately, as you just said, if they'd given the inch there, I think every team would have tried to force a scenario where they get a fresh power unit element for this weekend or maybe even just deliberately drive into a wall in Abu Dhabi and get one and blame it on the FIA. But Alex, then we shall, we've obviously talked about the penalties and stuff like that, but looking at Red Bull then, P1 for Max Verstappen, P3 for Checo Perez. Was Perez caught napping by Leclerc on both occasions that he was passed? I think he was, especially the first one. Does that just seem like a, a sort of lazy dive down the inside, really? It's like Perez just didn't see him coming. And and as Martin Rubble said in the commentary, Perez should have used the opportunity to build a gap. He didn't. And if I was Christian Horner, I would have been, I would have, I would have been disappointed that the team lost a to 1-2 to today. I know they've won the Constructors' Championship by a margin. But the perfectionists... You're not going to want to lose a one-two finish on the last lap, and it's that's cast a cloud on what would have been another masterclass day from Red Bull. Really, forgetting what happened at the first corner and all that sort of stuff, it was another stunning, another great drive from Verstappen. We can't deny that. But Perez should have been P2, given what happened with this with the safety car scenario that cost Leclerc track time. That it should have been a one-two finish, and and Leclerc stole it right on the last lap. Yeah, the benefit at the very least, though, is that. Whilst they may not have had a one-two in the race, they got have now secured the one-two in the championship with Perez Hamilton needing to outscore Perez by six points in this race, and instead Hamilton has finished P7 and Perez has finished on the podium. So I think case closed, that's settled. Now everyone has to look for another reason for Perez to lose that seat during the off season. But we'll get to the driver of the day then. The, the official grid top driver of the day goes to Esteban Ocon. A very solid performance, some good on-track fighting and keeping it out of his teammate's car as well. But Jared, let's start off with you. Who was your driver of the day? Do you agree with Ocon or would you give it to someone else? Yeah, like I alluded to earlier, I did vote for Oscar Piastri as driver of the day just to recover his race and get back into the points and that final stint was really something else considering it was a circuit that yeah wasn't suited to the McLaren but it would have been a flip of a coin if I gave it to him or Lance Stroll on this occasion yeah and Aaron sensing some Aussie bias there from Joad 
<laughs> but I'm here for it. My driver of the day is Charles Leclerc. I thought he drove a beautiful race. He it looked like Verstappen was just going to run off into the distance and win it by a canter, a canter. But Leclerc made a real fist of it. And that move on Perez late in the race was superb. At the time, I didn't think he was quite close to it. And then he just sent it. And I think that's what we were all looking for in this race. A big braking zone. Just send it. Just go for it. And then have some fun. There's, there's nothing really on the line anymore. The titles, all the titles are sewn up. So they could just go and have some fun. Yeah, I thought Leclerc did a excellent job. And Alex? I'm going to go with Lance Stroll, the driver who's been under a lot of criticism in recent months, justifiably. But there was a mature driver in today and going from 19th to 5th, brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, a last to first, well, not first, but last to fifth, give or take, performance from Lance Stroll today. And now from driver of the day to our panels of the day, Jawad, you are from Hit the Apex. Give us the pitch. Yeah, so just a pokey old podcast that talks about F1 and the Aussie Supercars Championship as well. You can find it on the usual podcast platforms such as the Apple, Spotify, Google. You can find other work I do for a website called The Raw as well through the links that I have around, yeah, on the Twitter handle, which is, or X handle, I should say, at Hit the Apex Media. So, yeah, go check that out. And I'll plug the Grid Talk merch as well if it's still available on Redbubble. We're looking at another merch store at the minute, but it is still there currently if anyone wants to go and grab themselves some end of the season merch for grid talk christmas is coming up who knows you might want to get yourself a fan club element or something or other you might want a mug a coaster a t-shirt um i think we've got stickers and all of that other stuff as well and aaron's delightfully modeling one right now but we'll go to aaron as well then so from ahgp go on give us the plug so ahgp is an f1 manager playing channel so i'm currently playing as mercedes trying to take them back to the top. We've got the season finale of season two coming out uh, tomorrow, which is Monday, and then we'll be cracking on with season three. Uh, I'll be doing some live stream experiments with different things. We've started to randomize the grid to see what happens there, where I'm managing Ferrari, uh, and my drivers are Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. And uh, while we're doing that, we'll just chat some F1 as well. So uh, you can find me there. You can find some of my uh, written articles on f1chronicle.com and also on Planet Radio. Ooh, fabulous. Love a bit of Planet Radio. And Alex, is there anything you would like to plug at this opportunity? No. And on that note, Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. If you are watching the YouTube stream, which just does appear to be Jared Bradley, to be fair, we will be sticking around for a post-show where we'll answer some questions, but also talk about some other things that we didn't get quite a chance to cover during the show. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get better mics, lights, and recording equipment, and also make sure you subscribe to the first know when each new episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content, and of course the season finale in Abu Dhabi. Thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Bet Online, and goodbye.